0: I'd like to invite any children who want to come forward to meet me down here. We're going to meet in a little bit of a different place this morning. So we'll just kind of meet right here in the center aisle. Good morning. Do you want to join us down here? Actually, we're meeting somewhere different. We're going to be down here this morning. I know, a change up. All right. I'm going to kind of be down the aisle here. I'm going to step up on this step so I can see all your faces. Okay. Well, Miss Elizabeth just read a passage of the Bible that talks about running a race. It talks about following Jesus as if we're running a race, keeping our eyes always on Jesus and doing what Jesus teaches us to do. So we have, in our sanctuary, this image of Jesus right here. And so I want you to look at that image of Jesus and pretend like you're running a race. Just like get in a position that makes it look like you're running a race. Okay? Can you do that? All right, so we're running a race and we're following Jesus. And then this Bible story talks about how sometimes we get tired. Sometimes it's hard to be kind to people. Sometimes it's hard to share things. And so sometimes we droop. So can you droop a little bit? running the race, but we're drooping. And then the Bible says, but we have this communion of saints. We have all these people to cheer us on. So I'm going to invite all of these wonderful good saints out here in the sanctuary to start cheering us on because we're drooping. We're drooping to that. Listen to those voices. Yay. Oh, that makes me want to run faster, doesn't it? Doesn't that get you excited and make you want to run just a little bit faster in the race? Well, That's what this Bible story is all about, is to remember that following Jesus isn't always easy, but because we have each other, we can cheer each other on and encourage each other. So can we pray together just standing right where you are? Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you so much for the communion of saints, for all those who are our cheerleaders, who teach us, who show us how to love Jesus, and who cheer us on. Help us to follow Jesus and be more like him every day, and help us to cheer other people on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so if you are three, four, or five, you can go this way with Pastor Maggie. And if you are older than that, you can return to your seats with parents and hopefully not get lost along the way. everybody know where they're going? You going to go that way for Children's Church? Yeah, great. That was some good cheering. Thank you, it was really exciting. That image of a race that we hear in this part of the book of Hebrews is a really vivid image and I want us to hold on to it uh, throughout this morning and, and let that image guide us as we dive in a little more deeply to this part of the letter to the Hebrews. Now if you were in worship last week, you might remember that we're going to be spending last week, this week, and next week in this book of Hebrews. And as a little bit of a reminder, it's not so much a letter as it is a sermon. The writer calls it an exhortation. It's a word of encouragement that this preacher, 2,000 years ago, is preaching to a congregation that he knows and loves, that at some point he had shared life with. He is aware that they are getting tired. There's that image I mentioned last week of their knees are drooping, their hands are limp because they're just exhausted. Following Jesus, for as long as they've been following Jesus, is getting harder and harder. To walk the way of Jesus, the way of love and mercy and justice and kindness, is getting harder and harder in a world of empire. And so this preacher sends this word of encouragement And last week, we talked a little bit about what it means to feel tired and how many of us can identify with that feeling. And we talked about how the first word that he offers them of encouragement is to remind them of their ancestors. He talks about Abraham and Sarah and others who who believed in the promises of God. They believed in that day when God would reconcile all things to God's self. And even though they didn't get to see the whole promise fulfilled, they ran the race. They did what they were called to do, and they did it in faith. And so this morning, I want to explore a little bit, a second offering that this preacher makes to this weary congregation. He says to them, as you run the race of faith, look to Jesus look to Jesus. This was a word that resonated deeply with me when I came across it this week. Because over the past three, four years even, as I have continued in my journey of faith and have at times felt weary and confused and exhausted, I have felt this nudge toward Jesus. I I just need to spend more time with Jesus, reading the stories of Jesus, putting Jesus at the center of my prayer life. And so when the preacher says, look to Jesus, I'm encouraged by that. How do we do that? How do we look to Jesus? I think for me it comes first and foremost with the primary sources. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John reading these four different accounts of the life and ministry of the death and resurrection of Jesus. You may have noticed that aside from this month of August, we've been spending most of this year in the Gospel of Luke just walking with Jesus through Galilee and on to Jerusalem and paying close attention to his interactions with people and and his healing powers and his teachings and his willingness to undergo suffering. What does looking to Jesus give us? How does it encourage us and bolster us? Well, that's a question for all of us to ponder and pray over, but I want to highlight just a few ways that I think looking to Jesus encourages our walk of faith. We look to Jesus to be healed and forgiven and held. Every one of us is broken in some way. We all have wounds and struggles. We all have mistakes and sins in our past. We all carry within us, perhaps, this feeling that at some level we're not quite worthy. And so we can look to Jesus, the examples throughout the Gospels of the ways that he surrounded people with compassion, that he healed the sick and reached out to the broken. We need only read slowly and with care his interaction with that leper who threw himself at Jesus' feet and said, "'If you choose, you can make me well.'" And to immerse ourselves in that moment when Jesus reaches out and touches a leper, offering perhaps the first human touch the man had received in years. And we can feel that love and compassion for ourselves as well. Or we read the story of the woman with the hemorrhage that she had suffered with for 12 years, which rendered her unclean, which isolated her from the community, which kept her invisible to others, a suffering that no one else understood. She'd spent all her money on doctors. And as Jesus passed by in the crowd, she reached out to touch his cloak, didn't even want him to see her. But he did, and he turned around and he called her daughter. We need only think of the woman caught in adultery, caught in the middle of sin. And as she stood before that line of angry religious folks with their stones ready to kill her, Jesus stepped in and said, let the one who is without sin throw the first stone. And he turned to her and said, I do not condemn you. And we hear Jesus' words, and they are for us. I don't condemn you. I call you daughter. I call you son. I call you child. And we are healed and forgiven. We look to Jesus to heal and forgive us. We look to Jesus to challenge us and make us uncomfortable. Well, maybe we don't, but we should. <laughs> I have to confess a lot of times I look to Jesus to reinforce the opinions I already have. Sometimes I find myself really comfortable with Jesus, just me and Jesus and Jesus is always on my side of everything. And Jesus is so pleased with what I do and the choices I make and the opinions I have. And if that's the way I feel, I'm not sure I'm interacting with Jesus. Because no matter who we are, no matter the opinions we hold, no matter the choices we make, Jesus has something to teach us and is always going to provoke us and make us uncomfortable in those places that we're comfortable. We just have to watch Jesus interact in the Gospels with those who thought they knew everything, with those who thought they were right, With those who pass judgment on others, Jesus is quick to confront them. He is quick to avoid their easy categories and turn things upside down. Can we open ourselves to being provoked and prodded by Jesus? Just read Mark's gospel. Jesus is really prickly. There is no gentle Jesus, meek and mild, walking around in Mark's gospel. Lean into the Sermon on the Mount and hear Jesus say, Love your enemies. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or hear Jesus say how hard it is for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Ouch! Wow, Jesus is making me really uncomfortable in some of these teachings. So do I water them down or do I lean in and allow his loving teachings to challenge me? So we look to Jesus to heal us, to forgive us, to challenge us. We look to Jesus to tell us who we are. And this is where that image of the race comes in handy again. The word that the preacher uses here has conjures up this notion of, of having blinders on, looking to Jesus and only Jesus and nothing else, being deaf to all the other voices that are trying to pull us back or tell us who we are listening only to the voice of jesus as we run the race because there are a lot of voices all around us that want to tell us how we're running how we're doing and who we are some of them are voices of praise you are so awesome there's never been anybody like you Boy, that feels really good, but then we start running for ourselves and trusting in ourselves and lose sight of Jesus. Some of those voices are very critical, telling us we are not worthy, that we are failing, and those are the weights that can drag us down, as the writer says. It is Jesus who tells us who we are, and Jesus tells us that we are beloved children of God Like the woman with the hemorrhage, hemorrhage he calls daughter. Like Zacchaeus, the tax collector who was so hated by everybody in the community, and Jesus puts his arm around Zacchaeus and says, He too is a child of Abraham. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, allow Jesus to tell you who you are God's beloved child. And finally, we look to Jesus to show us the way and to give us hope. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, knowing the joy that was awaiting, was able and willing to walk through the deepest human suffering that we could possibly imagine. And so we see the resurrected Christ. We see the image of the kingdom of God fulfilled. Even before his death, everywhere Jesus went, with every interaction, the kingdom of God emerged, and he helped us to see the vision of that day when all things shall be reconciled to God's self, that day we talked about last week when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, that day when all the nations of the earth shall open their mouths in praise to God. Jesus gives us that vision and that hope, and so gives us what we need to run the race that is set before us. Hear these final words of the preacher of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that would hold us back, and run with perseverance the race that is set before us in our day, in our time, in this place, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us run the race with faith.